Um, but God is good, even when technology is not. Uh, but we are grateful for it, and we are grateful for our sister Vera. And if you are watching from home, um, I apologize. I hope the audio is coming through now. Um, I don't think the video is, but um, like I said, we, um, we'll have to look at it this week and uh, try to get it up, but we don't want to keep you longer. So um, we will pray, and then we will uh, move forward. So let's turn our, our hearts and minds to the Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask for your voice. We ask for your touch. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all that you have blessed us with to worship here in the sanctuary, to worship at home. And Lord, we pray that you, your presence would surround and be with each and every one of us wherever we are right now. Lord God, we thank you for your word and we ask that you open it up to us, that we would be shaped and grown to look more like the Lord Jesus Christ and that he would be exalted all the more. We ask this in his name. Amen. And so as we said, we begin our vision series today, which leads up to our Vision Sunday, where we ask the congregation to consider what God is calling them to give to the vision that is the church in the upcoming year. This serves a couple purposes. One is formational, so that we can listen to the Lord and consider how God is calling us to give, but also to participate. What things might he want us to be a part of? Might there be ideas on your heart that he's, he's, he, that he's laying on your heart that he wants you to, uh, to, to try and do? How does he want you to use um, uh, uh, your creativity, your gifts, your energy? And that's, that's one thing we want you to consider. The other, the other purpose for our Vision Sunday, however, is it helps us to plan. Bible speaks to the importance of planning. We saw some of the importance of planning even in the story of Joseph. A big part of his ministry was planning. He was administratively gifted. And so we will ask on Vision Sunday people to pledge what they think God is leading them to give in the upcoming year. That is not, um, we understand that, uh, that, that seasons are fluid. That's not a hard and fixed number that we're going to call you to come looking for. It is an estimate. And we use that estimate, our finance and leadership teams use that estimate to, to uh, inform a budget for the upcoming year to, tell us, to, to help us allocate the resources that God has given us. And so we, th we thank you to those of you who have done so in the past, and we invite you, if you have not done so, to consider doing that this year to help us to plan for the year ahead. And so this year, we're... we're we're going to look at it through the angle of our blessings because we in this church have been graciously blessed. And if you've been in this church for some time, you know this. You know that we have been blessed with sincere disciples, with willing servants, and with generous people, generous givers. And so we're going to consider how God blesses us and, 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 and why and how God blesses us and what we are to do with that. And we're going to begin by going way back into our spiritual heritage and looking at Abraham. In our passage, his name is Abram. His name is later changed to Abraham to, to more directly reflect his call. But we looked at some of how this promise that we saw in our passage started taking shape uh, through the story of Joseph and his brothers. Those are his great-grandsons. And so consider this 
perhaps a prequel to the series that we just did, or at least this message anyway. But this, in our passage today, is the story behind the, uh, the story of Israel and the mission of God in the earth that ultimately culminates in the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and that he continues moving forward through his church. And so this speaks to God's intention for Israel, which comes out of Abraham's line, but, all, but through the work of Jesus, it speaks to the work of his church. Scripture speaks of the, the, the church, those who follow Jesus, as, as kind of, um, it uses kind of some, some uh, agricultural imagery of being grafted in to these promises, like a branch grafted on, onto a tree. And so regardless of ethnic background, those that follow God by faith are described in Scripture as being descendants of Abraham, like Abraham's faith descendants. And in, in a couple places in the Gospels, being a child of Abraham was a way to refer to faithfulness. And so this passage that we looked at today in Genesis 12, it's a key turning point in the story of God's work in the world. If you were in uh, Dr. Clayton's, uh, Dr. Clayton's Sunday school class this morning, some of this might be review. That was not planned. Uh, I will uh, attribute that to a move of the Spirit because um, he talked about some of these things. But up to this point, the book of Genesis has been primarily looking, through the first 11 chapters, the book of Genesis is primarily looking at, at, at sin and the havoc that it is wreaking in the world. And, 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 and the brokenness that, 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 that occurs because sin entered the human picture. And so we see human relationships severed with God in Genesis chapter 3. We see uh, uh, God rescue Noah and his family from judgment sent as a flood on the earth because of the wickedness that was in the world in Genesis 6. And we see the people of the world scattered to thwart the, uh, uh, an attempt at elevating themselves in Genesis 11. And here we are in Genesis 12, and we see God intervening in the human condition by working through a human and the humans from his line. We don't know why Abraham was chosen or how he experienced this call, which is often the case in Scripture. A lot of times in Scripture, someone is called and just says, the Lord called them, the Lord spoke to them, what have you. And we don't know how or why that is the case, and that's okay, because God does speak and lead us all in different ways. But we know he has a call. And we know he has a call from God to leave his country, his people, his family, to leave what, what he knows, what is familiar, and to go somewhere. That's how it begins. He says, go to the place that I will show you. That's how it starts. It is quite a thing to, it's, it's hard enough to move to a new location for a known purpose. It's another thing to consider going to an unknown location, even if you know the purpose. God's call is not always easy. God's call often comes with risk. That is often how we exercise our faith, not knowing completely how things will work out, but, but, but that is the way we exercise our trust in God, as we see with Abraham. But as difficult as that may have been, Abraham has that reassurance from God of what God will do for Abraham and his descendants but also what he will do through them. And, this does, and, and the call 
as, as it's written here, it doesn't tell the whole story. It doesn't give us all the details of what God is planning. But what Abraham does know is that this call comes with blessing. That God's call comes with blessing. If you're a really uh, meticulous follower of the messages here on Sunday morning, you may know that we, we looked at Genesis 12 about uh, four years ago or so. And I said this very same thing. I used this same slide because it's true. Because it's true. You cannot read this passage and not see that. This call, the, the word bless in some form is all over this passage. Like five times rapid fire in God's words to Abraham. If for no other reason, because God is there. God is in the place to, God will be in the place where he is calling him. God is in the places that he calls us to. But it is a wonderful and huge blessing that he, that, that he receives. Abraham's call reads like the wildest dreams of many an ambitious human. How many labor hours and resources have been wasted in human history because some ruler somewhere wanted people to remember them? wanted to make their name great. Here God says, I will do that for you. He, we see in his promises, he, he promises him a people that will come from him. He promises him land that, his, that the nation of Israel will grow up in and possess. And he promises him to work through his line as a blessing through the nation. There is purpose in this call, and it is God's purposes. Part of this is summed up in Dr. Clayton's slides from this morning, but, but, that's, but, but that's one way we can summarize these blessings. But here's the thing, as wonderful as these things are, as, as hard as they might be for Abraham to fathom, especially as we see the story develop, we, we, we understand that he and his wife Sarah are beyond childbearing years. And so making the, it that much harder for him to, 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 to understand. As wonderful as it is, it is bigger than him. Yes, from him will come a great nation. That nation will be blessed. Yes, his name will be great. Yes, God will protect him and his descendants. That's why it says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Because God's purposes are working through them. And so it will not go well for those working against them. In, and, and so, even, even with all that in mind, it is bigger. It's bigger than Abraham. It's bigger than his descendants. God's blessings, even though God's call comes with his blessings, God's blessings are bigger than us. It's bigger than the one who is blessed. It's, even though God is calling Abraham, even though God is speaking to Abraham, this is not about Abraham. It's not even about the nation to come from his line. It is about God and God's work. Abraham and his descendants are how that ha are how God will work his purposes into the, in, into humanity. But it's about God and God's work and what he will do through Abraham and what he will do through his descendants. And we see that mission move forward in Abraham, 
through trust and relationship. And actually, you can identify that throughout Scripture, trust and relationship. We see it in Abraham by him obeying. He goes. And, God, and, and eventually, God, God directs him to Canaan. When he, find, when he gets to Canaan, God tells him, I will give this land to your descendants. And he builds an altar there, and he calls on the name of the Lord. That is an expression of worship, but it's also an expression of relationship, wanting to be connected to God. These things that we see with Abraham and God, they are fundamental things we need to understand because God is carrying out his work through us. He is still doing this today. And we might be quicker to acknowledge blessings that come from God. You know, we've heard it said, count your blessings. And that's, that's a, a great spiritual practice to just identify the ways that God has blessed you and acknowledging that our blessings are from God. It does, however, need to be acknowledged that sometimes that's been exploited by preachers or by churches to distort the gospel, to present it as a way through which Everything will go well. And you do not have to read the Bible long to know that that is not the case. Even more so, it's been exploited to lead people to think that this is necessarily material blessing. Or worse, material blessing that is proportional to one's giving. Let me say flat out that that is not true. That is not the case. That is not biblical. Yes, Abraham is blessed. Even materially. Yes, he becomes a nation. We see some, place, some people called to places where they end up in places of position and power. Where they, they are called to places where they work in palaces. Like we saw with Joseph, for example. And we see people called by God to places where they lose everything. This is often the case with the prophets. We see it also through the disciples. As they, as they carry out the mission in Acts, we see, we see it does not go smoothly for them. They're in prison over and over again. Are they still blessed? Yes, they are. If we recognize that the ultimate blessing is God. The ultimate blessing is God's self. And when we recognize that, we can recognize that there is no better place to be than where God has called us. Which is how you can read the words of a disciple like Paul, talking about rejoicing even in prison. And not just rejoicing, but trying to make his joy contagious, telling the people he's writing to, you rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice. All from prison, all pondering. I wonder whether or not I'm going to be executed. And I don't know which is better because I could either continue working for the Lord or I can go to be with the Lord. I don't know which one I would choose. That comes from a place of recognizing that God is the ultimate blessing. That the ultimate goal is, as Paul put it, knowing Christ. But even if we understand that the blessings are not always material, we still need to understand that they're bigger than us. All that you have, all that you have been given comes from God. All that is good in your life is from God. And, to, and, and God can use it for his purposes. And a big part of the way he does that is by blessing others. That is in this passage. 
as you may have heard it said, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to bless others. Our blessings are supposed to flow through us. I heard one commentator put it this way, we are to be aqueducts, not cisterns. The water is supposed to flow. The blessings are supposed to flow through us, not sit like a tank. They're supposed to be rivers, not a pond where the water just sits. If you're more physics-minded, we're supposed to be conductors, not batteries. Pick your metaphor. It's the same principle. The blessings are to flow through us. We're not supposed to hoard them. And these blessings mean a whole new orientation of living and outlook. A commentator pointed out the shift in identity we see in Abraham. He leaves his family and all that's familiar, his country, his family, sources of identity, especially in this culture. And his identity is now tied up in God's work. His identity is, 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 is found in what God will do in and through him. And it is worth considering where we find our identity. Where are the places that, what are the places that we find value in, that we pour our energy into? Where are the, the places our thoughts gravitate to? Maybe our careers or our projects? God, whatever it is, God invites us to tie those things up in his work. And to be sure, Even if, even if your attention is, even if we find, maybe my, my, my identity is tied up in things less than that. Whatever that is, God can use that for his purposes with that shift in identity. We saw this when we looked at Joseph. We asked this question, what do you have and how can you use it for God's work? And we recognize that that question will put everything in a whole new light. Our jobs are not just paychecks. They are a means to obtain kingdom resources that can be invested in God's work. Our possessions, they're not just for us. They're to be shared. They're instruments of God's work. Your talents, your hobbies, they're not just ways to pass the time. They are ways to bless and serve people build relationship with people, build friendships through which God can show people who he is. Your career, it's not just a, a means of advancing yourself. It is a ministry. And every person that God has placed in your life, those are people entrusted to your care. And God has placed you in their life as his minister. Even if we consider this, even, even your personal spiritual growth, the, 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 the fruit that God bears as you sit in his presence, as you pray, as you read his word, all, the, all those spiritual practices that you do at home between you and the Lord, that pours out in his work to bless others. 
Because as he grows you to look more like Jesus, the more he grows you in being able to bless people like Jesus. People should be blessed because they know you. Because you know Jesus. All the more. Because he is our example. Because we follow a Lord who gave everything. Gave up of his very self for us. That is our example. And so he prunes us. He grows us. To give and to serve like him. To see the people in need around us, to see our relationships through the lens of God's purposes. We are blessed to be a blessing to others, which is how God has been doing his work through people, at least since this passage. You could argue that he's been doing that even before, but our blessings, they can all be used for God's purposes. We can enjoy them with gratitude to God. They can be instruments of praise and of worship, and they are assets for his kingdom. Assets that can be used to move his kingdom work forward, the work of of reconciling this world back to himself. Because he wants everyone else to be part of his work too. And we in the church, we need to understand that his work is bigger than us. It's bigger than us. Just like it's bigger than Abraham. It's bigger than even Abraham or his descendants here. God's work is bigger than keeping the church open. Keeping the the building standing. As good as that is. As important as it is. We have a wonderful properties committee that does a great job. That too is the work of God. What I'm saying is God's work is bigger than the building. It's bigger than even the community that meets in the building. The building serves his work. The community serves his work. A church is a community that demonstrates who God is in our relationships with one another and with our neighbors. And this is why some of you give to his work in various ways. Some of you, near and far. This is why some of you give to the Hunger Free Northbrook initiative and provide groceries for students in need right here in our town. And some of you have, for, have given to supporting refugees fleeing Ukraine on another, uh, ravaged by war on another continent. That's why some of you have given funds and items to be given to the, to the homeless served by Cornerstone Outreach, either by giving to them directly or, or to our Women Ministries chapter. And some of you have given to Covenant World Relief and Development as well, blessing people halfway around the world. That's why our church gives to things like the Barnabas Project, which serves ministries in Chicago and the surrounding area. And much of our church gives to world mission, supporting our missionaries serving in countries all over the world because you want to participate in God's work near and far and you recognize that God is working through you near and far and through our church right here in this town and in places that we may never see. And how he does that through us in any season. It might require some trust, just like we see with Abraham. 
Maybe it's taking a look at your budget to see what you can cut so that you can give more to his work. And that might, or just so you can see what you're spending money on that you don't use. You might look at your budget and be like, I'm still subscribing to that? Goodness gracious, I can't remember the last time I used it. Maybe it's a relational risk. Maybe, it's, maybe he's inviting you to knock on the door of that family that just moved in, seeing if they need help with anything so that you can bless them. Or maybe if they need any of your stuff that they could use. Maybe it's using some of your skill to make a meal for someone going through a tough time. Or if you don't have that skill, to order a meal for someone going through a tough time just to bless them, just to take, one, uh, un, just to take a detail off of their minds, to try and make life just a little easier for them. Whatever the case, whatever God's calling you to, we need to understand that we serve a generous God who has blessed us in so many ways. Ultimately, by giving us his son so that we can have relationship with him forever. And as we follow his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we seek to model him. We seek to model the one who gave himself to be the ultimate blessing. Giving us the hope of eternal life through his death and resurrection. And so we need to ask. It's worth asking. How has he blessed you? It's worth counting our blessings. It's worth acknowledging them. And as you do, praise God for them. Praise God. However he's blessed you, praise God. And then we can ask ourselves, how does he want me to be a blessing? Following his leading and as... It's not always easy, but it is worth it because when we follow his leading, we can see and encounter the work that he graciously wants us to be a part of. And doing so will allow us to be blessed even more as we, we, we grow in our knowledge of him. And the more that we do that, the, better, the, the more he will grow us in being a blessing to others so that they can know his heart and be part of his work as well. Let's continue worshiping our generous God.